the Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Hey, Aaron, I have a quick question about the uh, shopping cart law. Yes, sir. Uh, if the police are chasing somebody <laughs> with a shopping cart, if they just uh, start running... Do the police have to call off the chase? That's a good question. You're referring to our police chase laws. Um, I don't know. I don't have I, that answer for you. I'd like to find out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I find it interesting. I have some stats that I'm going to do in my top mm-hmm. story here on car thefts. And, uh, and of course, they're just through the roof because the cops can't chase them. I'm wondering if we care about shopping. Mean, I, I think the shopping cart law is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to get me wrong. Yeah. But if we can be tougher on shopping carts than we can on car theft, <laughs> then I think we're a little misplaced in our priorities. Maybe. Yeah. Federal ways getting it figured out, it looks like, though. Okay, good, good for, for them. Yeah. But uh, if you're a shopping cart thief, just hit the gas, baby. Nobody can chase you. All right, we're coming to you from the Carter Subaru Studio. Welcome to the weekend. Glad you're with us. Gorgeous Christmassy Friday afternoon. Let's get right to the big lead. The big lead. Top story. So the stats are stunning. Our friend David Rose at Fox 13, he's doing his spotlight show on this tonight and uh, this weekend. In just November, we have the numbers in. For just the month of November, there were 2,300 cars reportedly stolen in just King and Pierce counties. That is 80 cars per day in just our two counties, King and Pierce. And it's because of what the Democrats in the legislature did. They told car thieves that uh, we're going to make Washington the best place in America to steal cars. But, I mean, think about the cost and all of the nightmarish uh, things that those owners have to go through when cars are stolen. And it's all because we let criminals run amok. I'm going to focus on uh, this more later in the afternoon. But I do have a conversation. I'm going to follow up on what has been the most talked about stories of the week. It's been one of the most talked about stories of the year around here. Up next in The Big Lead. The Big Lead. Dory Monson Show exclusive. Well, it was two days ago when a jury down in Pierce County returned a unanimous not guilty verdict for the Pierce County Sheriff, Ed Troyer. And uh, we've had almost two days to kind of sift through the rubble of that whole mess. Ed Troyer joins us once again here on the Dory Monson Show. Sheriff, good to talk to you as always. Yeah, thank you for having me on. So one question that's come to my mind, you... We're PIO for how long down there? About 20 years? Yeah, I'm 37 years on, 20 of it as our program manager and running our media department and a bunch of other things that were a little bit lower profile, yes, and then two years as sheriff. Okay, because I think there was pretty unanimous consensus in the media and elsewhere, certainly among the public, because I think this is why you got elected sheriff. There's pretty unanimous consensus that you're one of the best public information officers that most of us had ever dealt with. How do you go from that? Somebody that the media loved, that the public voted for as sheriff, how do you go from that to being such a polarizing figure now? Um, From becoming the elected sheriff and being the white elected sheriff 
in a state where they don't want elected sheriffs. They don't want their law enforcement to work for the voters. They want their law enforcement to work for them. And soon as I stuck my first election sign in the ground, everything changed, started getting vandalized, started getting threats. Uh, as my grandkids say, upside down world, kind of from some of those Netflix shows. And even at that age, they're picking up on it. So it's been a strange experience, but one that I'm built for and one that I want to keep moving for because as an elected official, I represent the people. And, you know, and your people have helped over the years, even clear back with Ron and Don and all the charity stuff we've done and you and Curly and helping with raising money for officers. I've been part of that for 20 years and so have all of your listeners and so have a lot of my friends in the community. And I think they don't like that. I think we represent that as elected sheriffs and they're coming after us. We all have bullseyes on our backs. So King County voters made, it's, it is the most bizarre vote I have ever seen when a couple of years ago they said, we will give up our right to elect a sheriff. We will just let the politicians pick him. So now essentially Dow Constein gets to pick the sheriff. The sheriff has zero independence. Uh, you know, I hear the pal- Patty Cole Tyndall's a nice person, but she has zero independence, and she cannot do anything that would run afoul of what Dow Constein and his party machine wants, and what they want clearly is more crime because that's what they've unleashed on the region. And so I, I think what your warning here is something everybody should heed. If we just make sheriffs another office in a political machine in every county the public is not going to be well served by that that's correct i mean there's a lot of great police chiefs in the state but the one thing they all have in common is they got to be careful what they say and do when it comes to dealing with the councils and the mayors and the executives because they could lose their jobs and that is not the case for elected sheriffs we work for the people and we're able to stand up and like I have down here with my staff in our department. Um, we've done a lot of things that other departments can't do because they're constrained by the politics of everything. I'm not. And I believe that that's why I've been targeted and some other sheriffs have been targeted. I mean, the King County Sheriff was targeted. They've gone after the Snow County uh, for a recall, Thurston County for a recall, Lewis County for a recall. And I think um, people have failed and I'm, and on all those. And in fact, our county council took a vote to try and go to appointed sheriff and lost. They didn't have enough votes to make that go on the ballot for a few more years, but it won't be for lack of trying. And even if it's not me or the current sheriffs that are in position right now, whoever it is, you want to be able to elect your sheriff to lead your law enforcement in your county or things will change dramatically and the counties will start looking like some of the things we're seeing happening in the cities. And people know I'm a law and order guy, and I sure don't want Pierce County to turn into Seattle. During my election, I said, don't King County or Pierce, and there's no way I'm going to let Pierce County turn into the mess that's up in Seattle. It's no secret. So I haven't won a lot of points with some of the local politicians with that. (laughs) And you you also told me a couple days ago, you think that you earned the wrath 
of Jay Inslee because you didn't have a vax mandate. You're not anti-vax. You just believe in an individual's choice. And you did a lot of lateral hires from other departments, uh, from people who did not want to get vaccinated. Do you really think that something like that puts you in Jay Inslee's crosshairs? Well, they're willing to fire people for not taking the vaccination at the state level and in the King County level. If they're willing to fire people... I'm sure it made him a little cranky that I'm hiring and taking laterals. And we've hired 60 people, new hires, laterals from the state, from Seattle, from different agencies. And whether it's because of the vaccination or not, you know, we don't ask that question. But we do have 60 new officers since I've been sheriff that work for us. And a lot of those are laterals from the state in Seattle. And I guess it kind of speaks for itself. And I've heard many times that state government in Inslee and some of them aren't happy that we were doing that. That's one of the few reasons. There's others, I'm sure, but um, I, I can't pinpoint it other than I just don't go along with their with what they're looking for and what they want to do on a state level. What all can we do in Pierce County? You know, I, I brought up something on my show yesterday. I want to get your reaction to this. That, mm-hmm. uh, that Bob Ferguson He goes after you for a he said, he said misdemeanor. We know for a fact that Jenny Durkin wiped thousands of texts on not only Jenny Durkin, but Carmen Bass and Harold Scoggins, the police chief and other city officials. They wiped thousands of texts around the time of Chaz Chop and them giving up the East Precinct. That is a felony charge. Washington is the strongest open records act in the nation. And that is a felony charge when public officials destroy public records Bob Ferguson doesn't go after Jenny Durkin or or any of these other public officials for a felony, and yet he went after you for a he said, he said misdemeanor. I mean, there was no evidence other than what two people were saying. He goes after you for a misdemeanor, but doesn't go after Democratic Seattle politicians for a felony. What does that tell us? about the state of law and order in our state. Well, when it comes to that particular issue, I did read some articles that said Bob Ferguson was quoted as saying that's up to the local police to investigate. Well, you know, that was up to our local jurisdiction and prosecutor to take care of, too, if there was actually an incident. But there wasn't with me. They created it with the Seattle Times. And if you take a look at how it came to be, the attorney general's office called the Pierce County prosecutor multiple times and asked to take the case. And the Pierce County prosecutor said, no, we'll take a look at it. We got it handled. But then we get the letter from the governor using his powers to take it against the prosecutor's will and to take the case and give it to the AG. I have that letter signed by Jay Inslee. And the worst part about this letter is that in the letter, it states that they're going to charge Pierce County for the prosecution and expenses. So it was obviously targeted. Um, you know, I'm, I, my race is nonpartisan. I'm not a registered Republican or Democrat, right. but I am, you know, want to stick up our people, law and order, and don't like seeing car theft. I mean, everybody can look around and raise their hand, been a victim of crime in the last two years, or their next neighbor has, or their family member has. And we got to have somebody push back and fight that from the other side or the whole state's going to turn into chaos. 
I've heard Ferguson say what you just quoted, and and your point is excellent that uh, that your misdemeanor was being handled by local law enforcement, just as Ferguson said the felonies in Seattle should be handled by local law enforcement. But Inslee comes in, Bigfoot's everybody, says, no, 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 I want the state to take this over. And he certainly could do do the same with uh, with Jenny Durkin and Carmen Best and Harold Scoggins, but he doesn't do that for a felony. He does it for your misdemeanor. So this is where people need to know that if if we're in a state where you are targeted or protected solely on the basis of your ideology, then we're not in America anymore. That that is the exact opposite of what America is supposed to be all about. Well, you're right, and I can tell you the worst thing, the worst skill I have about of being sheriff. You know what that is? <laughs> That's partisan it. politics. Partisan politics. I was not ready for the onslaught of the two sides and the one side coming after you in the mob. Um, it doesn't matter how much good work our people done and how much good work all the nonprofits that you and I and everybody created and others, it doesn't matter. They're just going to come after you because you don't agree with what they say. And it's unfortunate that we have people that are in that high ranking of power that will do that and are willing to do that. It's actually scary. And it's frightening. I've talked to other sheriffs, and um, they've called me, and they've talked, and they're happy and that we stood up to this, and I stood up to this. Um, and I wasn't standing up just for me and my family and my department. I was standing up for all the people the bullies go after. Yeah, understood. What? Because um, you're a couple years into this, and all people have focused mm-hmm. on is is these accusations. What are, what are the concrete things that you're most proud of or most excited about so far? Oh, we've done some great things that you haven't heard about. I don't know if the media would ever cover them. One of our really good programs is we have a co-responder program where we embedded embedded mental health workers with deputies to go out and deal with people's severe mental health issues. And we have three or four of those. Now we have nine. We're budgeted for nine mental health workers to embed with our deputies. And they've gone out and talked people off of weapons and suicidal people. They've done so much great work that, um, you know, and it's going unrecognized. We also have a new program we're starting called an alternative response team. And it's with social workers where we're going to embed deputies with social workers to go out and handle people that are homeless, drug addicted, uh, minor mental health issues that the co-responder team doesn't have to and navigate services for these people and to become experts at it and let our other cops go back to doing police work. Uh, and that would take some of the burden off our department and try and get people services. Uh, that's a great program, and our social services director has created it with us, and, and but nobody's heard about those programs. How, how dare you say the media never covers this as I on my radio show you, cover it right now? You are. What you the are heck is that? Right now. Okay, you know, one there of, you go. One of the other things is we, we've, yeah, you are, and we actually have a health and wellness officer that's coming in that we built, and it's a program for our own people because, as you know, suicides amongst uh, police have gone up dramatically. Yeah. Um, depression, uh, the, the lack of support or the feeling of lack of support from the community. It's hard to do this job, especially in this state with the defunding and um, different police reforms. It's hard to do this job. I'm really proud that our people have been able to hire 60 people when other departments are going in the other direction. I and we're still 50 deputies. We're still 50 deputies down. 
but help the wellness officer to help our own people, you know, when they're in need and try and retain good employees and get them the services they need to. Uh, Police work has changed and, you know, we're still recruiting, but we do have all these good programs going. And, you know, for so many years, they would always say, hey, what about the homeless? What about mental health, drug addicted? Well, let the cops handle it. Just let the cops handle it. Well, that's not the answer, and we acknowledge that that's not the answer, and that's why we're building these other programs. Okay. But um, I just want everybody to know that we're out doing that. We're taking care of business this last two years, and I look forward to building upon all this in the next two years. I know it's probably, uh, and we got to be real quick. I only got 30 seconds. It's probably a year away, the decision, but I, I need to be the first to ask. After all this nonsense, you can run for re-election? Well, it was really clear that I was going to do one term because our few sheriffs before Paul Pastor each did three, three, and four years. I was going to do one term, try and get done what I could. But since I've been disrupted a little bit and I'm feeling really charged and good right now and want to do good things for the community, I'm putting that back up on the uh, shelf Mm. to examine again whether we want to keep our team in place and keep going and keep the citizens safe for another four years. Um, okay. I haven't made that decision yet, but I am starting to start to take a look at that and lean at that. You know, I'm only, I'm only 61, so I have a few more years left in me. Um, I'm not quite the president's age, and and so I think I can do another good term. And I've got a great staff and a great crew, so I, I think we'll be able to take care of business as long as we need to. All right, it's good talk with you, uh, and uh, I'm glad what I perceived as a witch hunt is over. Uh, hang in there. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Appreciate All it. Right. Okay. Pierce County Sheriff Ed Troyer joining us. And that is your big lead for today. The big lead on Cairo Radio. Since we talked with the sheriff in the opening segment there, coming up next, we are going to continue with the big lead. Another young, healthy person dies of a heart attack. And yet... The vaccine push is as strong as ever in America. We need to talk about this, and we will next here on the Dory Monson Show. Two nights ago, I was driving home. I mentioned this yesterday, I think, that I was driving home after a dinner and I was listening, of course, to Cairo News Radio. And at the end of CBS News, they ran a commercial for Get Vaccinated! Paid for by our government through the pharmaceutical companies. Get Vaccinated is the message. Uh, You heard earlier this week that they're stepping up efforts to vaccinate children beginning at six months old. I heard a story today about a local firefighter who very unexpectedly died at home. And I'm not going to say his name right yet because I don't want to be perceived. We don't know the cause of death yet, except that uh, there's a young, healthy firefighter and his family and friends say that his passing was a complete unexpected surprise. I bring that up because I shared with you a couple of days ago a Twitter thread from Alex Berenson. Alex is a former New York Times reporter. He is now very active independently and on Substack. 
And he was writing about the United States soccer journalist, Grant Wall, who died at the World Cup at age 49. And he said, you know, the pro-vax crowd, they loved you, I mean, almost gleefully in the case of the Seattle Times, they loved using the deaths of people who were unvaccinated so that they could try to encourage everybody to get vaxxed. When our really dear friend, State Senator Doug Erickson, died, and he was anti-mandate. He wasn't anti-vax. He thought everybody should make up their own mind, but he was not vaccinated. And he went to Central America, and he got COVID, and he died. And the Seattle Times was nauseating in their glee in covering his death and how they were tying it to him being anti-vax. But what's interesting is you never see the unexpected rise in deaths in young people being tied to the vaccination. But I want to just share with you again today, because I think it's important that you know also, you hear the other side of this story constantly from the commercials and from everybody else in the legacy media, that you got to get vaxxed, get vaxxed, get your children vaxxed, and check your babies. And so I just want you to hear another side in all of this. But what Alex Berenson wrote on Twitter, uh, when was this, two days ago, he said, I realize talking about this stinks. I realize many, perhaps most people who got the mRNA are aware that they were deceived, even if they'll never admit it. They have no plans to get more or let their kids have the shots and just want to forget that 2021 ever happened, but we can't in part because the hardcore of mRNA fanatics in the public health bureaucracy will not stop pushing the shots, and in part because the mandates last year must never be repeated, and that means letting people know the severity of the risk forced on them. I can talk about the stunning rise in all-cause mortality over and over, but unfortunately one individual story is likely to have much more impact, which is exactly why the vaccine advocates constantly highlighted the deaths of unvaccinated people last year. And then he says, I'm sorry if Grant Wall's family prefers no one discuss what might have caused his death, but he was a public figure and publicly pro-MRNA shot, and his wife is a huge jab advocate, trying to shame silence those of us raising serious questions about the vax safety will not fly especially since mRNA advocates have spent far too much time finger-wagging and too little actually investigating potential issues around the vaccines for almost two years now. So no, I will not stop trying to figure out how risky these novel biological products really are. I just wish some of the people who spent 2021 trying to force them into the arms of billions of people would join me in that investigation. One might even say they have an obligation to do so. Former New York Times reporter Alex Berenson. So let's talk about some of the facts. There was a story in the Seattle Times about how the deaths from heart attacks have risen sharply in America for adults 25 to 44 years old. And that is happening at a time when that demo was getting vaccinated with a vaccine that had never been injected into a human body before. 
Yi Hui Yao, uh, author of the study and a Cedars Sinai physician scientist, says we're still learning the many ways by which COVID nineteen affects the body, regardless of age, gender, ethnicity, or race. But here's here are the stats. Here are the facts. In the United States of America, in the first year of the vax, heart attacks went up 14%. By the second year of the pandemic, increase in heart attacks blew apart the models used to predict how many people would lose their lives to these events. Okay, listen to this. Cedar sinai it's in the Seattle Times. Fatal heart attacks among adults ages 25 to 44 in America went up 30% over what was predicted. For 45 to 64, heart attacks went up almost 20%. For 65 and older, heart attacks have gone up 13.7% in America. Is this because of the vax? The soccer journalist, Grant Wall, his family did an autopsy, and they said that uh, he had an aortic aneurysm. But was it made more deadly by the vaccination? We have to at least consider that. If, if you're thinking about getting your six-month-old injected, and I also want you to hear from another doctor, Dr. Asim Malhatra who was talking about the connection between the vax and heart conditions. The title of my paper is Curing the Pandemic of Misinformation on the COVID mRNA Vaccines Through Real Evidence-Based Medicine. In part one of the paper, I aim to determine through critical analysis of randomized controlled trial data and real-world evidence, the true benefits and harms of the COVID mRNA vaccines with special emphasis on the BioNTech-Pfizer vaccine. The conclusions are quite sobering. In the non-elderly population, the numbers needed to treat to prevent one COVID death run into the thousands. Reanalysis of randomized controlled trial data from both Moderna and Pfizer reveals one is more likely to suffer a serious adverse event from the COVID-19 vaccines than to be hospitalized with COVID-19. So in other words, the vaccination is more likely to kill you than COVID is, especially if you're 25 to 44 years old. So why is Jay Inslee still pushing this? Why are radio commercials still pushing to get vaxxed? Why is the Washington State and King County Department of Health encouraging parents to start injecting their six-month-old babies? This is absolute madness, and here's the data. Pharmacovigilance data, coupled with plausible biological mechanism of harm, is also deeply concerning, especially in relation to cardiovascular safety. Mirroring a potential signal from Pfizer's phase three trial, there is also a significant increase in out-of-hospital cardiac arrests in England in 2021. Data which is also replicated in Israel with an increase in heart attacks and sudden cardiac death in people aged between 16 and 39, specifically related to the COVID mRNA vaccines and not related to COVID. I believe this information everybody should know because you are being bombarded with paid propaganda from the pharmaceutical industry. 
And I'm one of the victims. If I knew then what I know now, I never would have gotten the... I mean, I got two vax and one booster. And I'm done. I'm done. I've learned way too much in the last several months. You need to make up your own mind for yourself. And I am not here to advocate for you choosing to get vaxxed or not vaxxed. But I am here to provide you with information that can at least begin to counterbalance the massive fire hose of pharmaceutical paid propaganda that's been pushed at Americans for two and a half years now. Uh, Because there are too many young people dying, too many healthy young people shockingly dying. And we need to consider that the next time you think about getting an injection in you or your little kids especially. All right, quick timeout. Lots more to do. Uh, I told you I'll come back to the car theft story. Also, school calendars getting remarkably less crowded to reduce stress. All that is still to come here on the Dory Munson Show. Man, I think I have a way. I have a way to streamline school calendars. I just saw that the Edmond School District has announced that every Friday next school year, every Friday, schools will be let out 75 minutes earlier to shorten the day. It's all to reduce stress on the kids and teachers. As thinking, let's, let's take a peek at the Edmond School District calendar that they need to de-stressify. And it's interesting. Schools start right after Labor Day. They have an early release day now on September 23rd. This is this current school year. Early release on October 7th. October 21st, uh, no kids. Professional Development Day. Uh, October 24th through the 28th, early release. Early release on November 10th. Holiday, November 11th. No students, November 23rd. Holiday, 24th and 25th. No students and holiday, December 19th through January 2nd. Holiday, January 26th. Early release, January 27th. No kids on January 30th. Holiday, February 20th. No kids the next day, February 21st. Early release, March 15th and 16th. No students on March 17th. Early release, March 31st. No school at all, April 3rd through the 7th. That's a whole week off. Early release later that month. Early release, May 12th. No kids, May 26th. Holiday, May 29th. Early release, June 9th. Seems like there's a lot of days. And then you get two and a half months off after that. I have an idea. Why don't we save taxpayers some money? Why don't we sell off all the real estate that every public school sits on? Take all of that money. It'd be billions and billions and billions of dollars. Return it all to the taxpayers and just declare every school day a uh, non-student day. If you get hired as a teacher, 
you can just collect a paycheck. But we won't have any schools and any kids anymore because we seem to be moving quickly in that direction. Now, I know the flip side of this is that kids are more disturbed than ever. Two and a half years of putting masks on them and telling them for a long part of that they couldn't ever visit their friends, they couldn't play sports, they couldn't have friends over to their house, they couldn't go to a friend's house. Uh, we got a lot of kids, and I've, I have a lot of friends who are in the schools, and they tell me that student behavior has never been worse. And so they create the problem, government does, by the school shutdown and the ridiculous mask mandate, which they're still talking about possibly bringing back after the new year, the mask mandate. So they create this tremendous problem, and the solution is, well, let's just not have them go to school as much because it's stressing everybody out. And meanwhile, American kids are falling dramatically behind the rest of the world educationally. Kids in Washington State are struggling compared to the rest of the nation now. And on and on it goes. But reducing the amount of school time when kids are already, we got 50% who fail to meet English proficiency and 70% fail to meet math proficiency. And the solution is, Oh, we're going to shorten every Friday by 75 minutes. Takes the stress off. It's amazing. When you look at how much we're paying, we're paying $20,000 per student per year for public schools. And that's the return on investment. Quick time out. We're going to check the news for you. And then if you want to get a job for the government, There's one college degree you need to get, and I have the proof next here on the Dory Monson Show.